This is the APS China Monthly, March 2022. The briefing. No letup in internet regulations. The National Development and Reform Commission issued new policies to support the services industry, including guidance to food delivery platforms to lower fees they charge restaurants. This follows anti-monopoly regulation aimed at internet giants last year, with the goal of helping small and medium businesses. CIO Wang Kakhoi expressed continued caution on the internet sector in his December ACM essay, quote, "Burning Issues of 2022." Property market support. Mortgage lending rates were cut in approximately 90 cities in February, following a lowering of the loan prime rate in January. Commercial lenders have also been instructed to accelerate real estate-related loans. These moves follow the quote, three red lines" imposed on the property sector in August 2020. Tame prices. China's CPI rose by 0.9 percent in January, down from a 1.5 percent rise in December. Although PPI remains elevated at 9.1 percent for January, it too decelerated from a 10.3 percent growth from the previous month. Moderate inflation would maintain a clear path for the PBOC's loosening policy stance. Foreign capital rights. Oak Tree Capital Management took control of two Evergrande properties following the property developer's default on an asset-backed loan. Oak Tree is one of the earliest foreign players in the non-performing loan space, and a successful recovery process would be a further sign of progress in China's capital market liberalization development. A new haven. The Chinese yuan hit a near four-year high against the U.S. dollar in February, despite expectations that the PBOC will continue its monetary easing cycle and increased geopolitical tensions. The yuan's share of global payments by value rose to a record 3.2 percent in January, as global investors increased their holdings of Chinese government bonds. And now, the APS China Monthly. Avoid standing naked when the tide goes out. By Wang Kakhoi. 2020 and 2021 were extraordinary years, hit by a pandemic on a scale not experienced in decades. Central banks all over the world pumped massive liquidity into their respective financial systems to save their economies. Instead of a brief slowdown, the world economy might have sunk into deeper woes of stagnation, if not for the enormous aid extended by the central banks. However, liquidity shots into the arms of industry and consumers for far too long. Can and have created the unintended consequences of inflation. They run the gamut from financial assets, wages, 
consumer prices, commodity prices, precious metal prices, and cryptocurrencies, to real estate prices, and more. These challenges will need to be tackled in 2022 by policymakers and central bankers. The Power of Liquidity Although the global economy contracted by USD $2.84 trillion in 2020, massive doses of liquidity lifted global equity markets to dizzy heights. The argument that stock prices must rise in a low interest rate environment is supported by the dividend discount model, which states that low discount rates must lead to higher prices. That said, stocks of near-bankrupt companies such as AMC Entertainment and GameStop soared more than 28 times and 116 times respectively in a few months in 2021, while loss-making China-American depository receipts that each saw their market caps exceed USD $100 billion in 2021 were regarded by some investors to be exuberant excesses arising from the enormous liquidity gushing into the global financial system. Jerome Powell's Houdini Act The liberal actions of central banks during the pandemic had pleased their political masters, industry captains, workers, and so forth. If CPIs had stayed low, central banks might still be keeping to and rejoicing over their easy monetary policies. But now, they, especially America's Jerome Powell, will have to deal with the beasts of, quote, high inflation of almost everything, unquote, in their backyards, born of an extended period of extraordinarily liberal monetary policies. U.S. bond yields have historically rewarded investors with a 3% real return, but today punish them with a negative 5%. Whilst some central banks have hiked rates in recent months, Powell has chosen to doggedly stay behind the curve, despite ample evidence of rising inflation. Is he in a bind now? Will he have to pull off a Houdini act to keep the economy humming and save financial markets from meltdowns? Outside the central banks, economists in recent weeks are debating the number of times the U.S. Federal Reserve must hike rates this year to tame inflation. I think the more meaningful debate should be the appropriate real bond yield that would entice investors to the U.S. Treasury market and the time left for Powell to act decisively before it's too late. Fallout from Ukraine Crisis At the time of writing, investors seemed to have changed their minds every few hours about the war in Ukraine. The size of Ukraine's economy is only about USD 160 billion, less than half the size of Singapore's GDP. On this fact alone, its impact on its trading partners must be insignificant. However, some argued that the Russian economy is much larger. Yes, it is ten times larger, but it is not even one-tenth the size of China's. On trade, the impact is nothing to shout about, but it is the inflationary pressures from higher energy prices and grain prices that investors should worry about. Powell was expected to raise rates gently in March, 
but the Ukraine war complicates his already out-of-date calculus. The Fed and BOJ Compared There are some similarities between the U.S. today and Japan in the late 1980s. In the bubble years, the Bank of Japan, led by first Haru Maikawa, then Satoshi Sumida, maintained easy monetary policies for far too long and created the looniest property and stock bull markets, which extended into things like golf club memberships. To this day, the nation has yet to fully recover after both property and stock prices plummeted, which led to three decades of deflation and counting. To be fair, the excesses in the U.S. have not reached Japan's proportions. Furthermore, the U.S. has certain strengths which Japan did not have. Therefore, it is inconceivable that the U.S. will unravel to the degree that Japan did. But nonetheless, there is an urgency for the Fed to act quickly to suck the air out from the bubbles and rein in inflation. A major worry would be if Powell follows Satoshi Sumida's footsteps, continuing his usual inflation rhetoric and not be willing to take his medicine. The Greater Fool Theory, still good in 2022? Be that as it may, it is nonetheless bizarre that investors are still willing to hold on to or even purchase treasuries under such adverse risk-return profiles. Many had argued that such actions had been rewarding as there was a willing Fed and, quote, Fed devotees to buy treasuries off them at higher prices, implying that the, quote, greater fool theory was at work for them. Perhaps. But will this theory still hold in 2022? In an environment of rising rates, will there be new greater fools? The Fed has doubled its balance sheet to USD $9 trillion while real interest rates have reached negative 5%. Comparatively, China's real rate is hovering around 2% as CPI has remained moderate over the past year. When the Fed contracts its balance sheet, as it said it will do, who will be the willing buyers? Investor psychology can sometimes complicate matters. When prices are rising, investors will look for all kinds of reasons to hold on or buy more. But when prices are falling, they will find all kinds of reasons to exit, and sometimes exit at any price. Daniel Kahneman's Prospect Theory which played out in Japan, could also play out in the U.S. Liquidity drowns value investors. In equities, the bull market was essentially a P.E. multiple expansion-led market, powered by massive doses of liquidity and exceptionally low rates. In fact, this same phenomenon had spilled over to almost every asset class. In periods of ample liquidity, liquidity would drown value investors as the bulls would be more interested in fast action than careful analysis and businessmen would embark on disorderly expansion and profligate use of capital, as experienced by Japan in the late 1980s. Inevitably, 
liquidity would often lead to excesses in the business world and to bubbles in financial markets. China, being wary of past disasters, seemed to have taken drastic action to curb the excesses in the property market and took tough regulatory action against anti-competitive behavior, especially the e-commerce platform companies. It also banned after-school tuition companies from using massive amounts of capital to monetize education, i.e. raising capital from Wall Street to go on a marketing blitz to recruit students and dangling big salaries to poach teachers from government schools. A Powerful Cocktail From all the signs we can see, rates will have to rise substantially in some countries and liquidity reined in in 2022 and possibly beyond to contain consumer price inflation and financial asset inflation. If declining rates had powered equities higher, the corollary must be that rising rates ought to drive equities lower. So dictates the DDM. The mix of higher rates and shrinking liquidity is a powerful cocktail that can have devastating effects on most asset classes. The NASDAQ index is already down almost 13% two months into the year. This cocktail can turn out to be a financial nuclear strike in 2022. Three Orange Lines That said, not all is doom and gloom, as the world's second-largest economy has been gently easing in recent months. The People's Bank of China can afford to ease as it had tightened considerably from the autumn of 2020. Their, quote, three red lines policy targeting the property sector has caused enormous pain and will lead to a dramatic slowdown in the first half of 2022 GDP numbers. Such draconian measures have shocked investors. Behind the draconian policies is the government's belief that the residential property market had been all but treated as a financial game by developers. For years, property developers took on huge bank loans to expand their portfolios. As selling prices are fixed by the government and are often pegged to be lower than existing apartments in the neighborhood, while bank borrowing costs have been fairly stable, developers had been able to fairly accurately estimate their project IRR by bidding correctly at land auctions. From the developer's standpoint, the more projects they undertake, the more profits they will make. This makes business sense as the bulk of the risk had been borne by the banks. This arrangement seemed unacceptable to policymakers as they are fearful of a Japan-style systemic crisis if property prices were to crash one day. Hence, banks were forced to reduce their exposure to the developers and developers compelled to reduce their leverage. However, from the recent deeds and words of the PBOC, we can reasonably expect more rate cuts in the coming months. In other words, the three red lines may have turned to three orange lines. Global liquidity and rates in 2022 
To prevent inflation galloping away from current levels, the two big questions for investors would be one, how much liquidity will need to be drained out, and two, how much will rates need to rise. Among the major economies, China may be the sole exception, as the PBOC had marched to the beat of its own drum and exercised restraint in the last five years, especially compared to the Fed and the European Central Bank. 2022 may well turn out to be another extraordinary year. Against this backdrop, we believe portfolio managers will need to position their portfolios carefully. China Portfolio Tilts President Xi Jinping and his team seem determined to rejuvenate and modernize the Chinese economy, minimize systemic risk, further improve worker productivity, income, and welfare. In this note, we will discuss our portfolio strategy for 2022 using two approaches, portfolio tilts, as well as alpha groupings and alpha clusters. Internet Tilt One big question is whether China portfolios should overweight internet stocks that got bashed badly in the past year. Looking at the portfolios of the prominent China managers, it is quite evident most are hopeful of a rebound and hence still own large chunks of those stocks. On this factor alone, one should be cautious. But it is the impaired business model and the regulatory headwinds that make us bearish on the prospects of many internet stocks. As influential and mighty as Alibaba and Tencent may still be, we believe the days of making monopolistic profits and taking stakes in companies in almost every industry at favorable terms are all but over. Alibaba announced its fiscal Q3 from September to December results just last week. Net profits dropped 73% on the back of e-commerce spending slowdown, regulatory clampdown, and intensifying competition. We had warned of these headwinds for some time, and these headwinds, in our view, will not moderate in 2022. Alibaba seems to have hinted at the results briefing that the blue sea in e-commerce will turn into a red sea in the medium term. Not encouraging for the bulls hoping for a recovery. About a week ago, Meituan was instructed to reduce the commissions it charges the struggling eateries and the stock price declined 23% in three days. On the same day, Banks were ordered by the PBOC to report their loan exposures to Ant Financial, and Alibaba's stock price dropped 10%. These regulatory actions, once again, disappoint the internet stock bulls hoping for a reversal of tough regulations. Adding to these woes is the substantial diminution of values of investee companies in their portfolios. For example, JD.com is likely to have suffered a fair value loss of USD 7.8 billion in Q4 and USD 38 billion for the full year after the stock prices of all its major listed subsidiaries crashed last year, according to our analysis. For these reasons, our portfolios continue to tilt away from internet stocks.
Growth or value tilt? U.S. investors seem to be shifting from growth stocks to value stocks as they deem a rising rate environment would hurt growth stocks more. Although APS has increased its exposure to value stocks from more than a year ago, we believe growth stocks still have a meaningful place in China portfolios because the country is still at a stage of development, where many industries will likely continue growing at 20% per annum for many more years. That said, the redemption seen in several domestic growth funds may add to pressure on growth stocks in the short term. Three boring economic alpha stocks are probably worth a mention. China Mobile has been neglected for so long, more than a decade, that the PE multiple X cash is just four times this year's earnings and still makes an ROE in the teens. As 5G CapEx will end soon, cash flows will be strong till 2030, the year 6G may start. Another boring stock worth looking at is China Life, which sells at a price to embedded value of 0.3 times. Last but not least, we believe Vanke is an interesting contrarian value stock. Selling at 0.3 revalued NAV, it is not just a survivor, but a clear consolidation winner and a beneficiary of easing monetary policies. For APS, our internal debate is not a major tilt to growth or value, but an appropriate mix. Size Tilt China's stock market has also been flush with liquidity, but this liquidity has come from rising bank deposits, flows from the property market, and from the huge trade surpluses. One clear piece of evidence of this liquidity is the growth of mutual fund assets, which has increased 160% from 2016 to USD 3.6 trillion in July 2021. As a result, large-cap stocks performed strongly till 2021. As many are still overowned and slightly overvalued, we have tilted our portfolio more towards the mid-cap space. Manufacturing Tilt Chinese policymakers have emphasized repeatedly the importance of R&D and innovation in its new economic blueprint, the Zhejiang Grand Plan, to consolidate its position as a manufacturing powerhouse. Therefore, our portfolio has a major tilt towards high-value-add manufacturing industries, which we believe will do exceptionally well in the next decade. Despite the U.S. urging their companies to shift their manufacturing plants from China back home and to countries like India and Vietnam from three years ago, that strategy has not succeeded, thanks to partly to COVID and partly to the challenges faced in rebuilding the full ecosystem in new locations. As a result, China enjoyed its largest ever trade surplus of USD 676.43 billion in 2021, the highest since records started in 1950, up from USD 523.99 billion in 2020, according to data from the Statistics Bureau. Zhejiang Supcon, China's largest industrial equipment maker, 
has indicated that they are doing brisk business after their technology had caught up with their foreign competitors. Industrial plants and factories will need SoupCon to improve productivity, increase product and service quality, minimize human error, enhance safety standards, etc. Another Zhejiang company making solar panel equipment, Jinsing, indicated that their order backlog is as healthy as they have seen. Software Tilt The government has declared countless times the digitalization of the economy is one of the pillars of a supermodern 21st century China. The government is encouraging almost every economic activity that can be digitalized to digitalize. It has even created a digital renminbi, a low-key initiative with a big ambition. China is probably only in the early stages of this monumental effort. To this end, we have added China's largest IT provider to hospitals, winning health. Defense Tilt Until President Xi came to power, it is fair to say that China had underinvested in defense from as far back as the last Qing dynasty. It also was not a priority for Deng Xiaoping the way it is under Xi. It is also fair to add that China had neither the technology nor the financial resources until recently to modernize its defense industry, even if it had the ambition to do so. But things have changed in the past decade. It now believes that it has to accelerate its efforts in modernizing its military hardware, partly to catch up with the U.S. The U.S. military is still considerably superior and is still outspending China every single year, with a 2020 expenditure estimated to be triple of China's spending. We have added the stock of a key aircraft component maker, Beijing Beimogaokuo Friction Material, to our portfolios. Another very promising stock is Geovis which uses satellite and AI technology to do topography for the military and the private sector. Consumption Tilt This is an old tilt. As affluence will continue to rise, China's consumption should continue to be brisk, although the first half might see some weakness. Alpha Clusters Investors will have a fuller picture of APS's bullish bets by looking at its portfolio alpha clusters. RPMs believe that the alphas are found in economic alpha stocks and structural alpha stocks, icons of tomorrow. RPMs do not believe that yesterday's icons, including internet stocks such as Alibaba and JD.com, as well as electric vehicle stocks such as BYD and CATL, will continue to be tomorrow's icons. APS Deputy CIO Stella Zhang will address this in greater depth in the next ACM. Wang Kakui is the founder and CIO of APS Asset Management. He has 41 years of investment experience, including CIO at CityTrust Japan, Senior PM at Citibank Hong Kong, and Senior Investment Officer of GIC. He was the recipient of the Manbushu Scholarship in Japan 
and graduated with a Bachelor of Commerce degree from the Hitotsubashi University, 1981. Mr. Wong also completed the Investment Appraisal and Management Program at Harvard University, 1990.